In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me, Gabe. Gabe, how are you? I'm doing great, Pamela. How are you? I'm doing lovely. For those of you who don't know, Gabe is a real estate superstar and just an amazing human being all around, which if you want to know more, of course, just check out the show notes. But, you know, Gabe, you've got quite an incredible journey that you've had to get to where you are today. What sort of inspired you to the real estate realm? I really like talking about my journey with all the warts and everything along the way, because um, I feel that everybody who gets started or wants to get started down a path, they always, they think it should be picture perfect. They think it should, you know, everything should work out accordingly, but it never does, especially my story. It was not that way. I hope the main thing that people pull from my story is just that, you know, you have to get started and don't worry about all the the missteps and the crashes and the burns that you get along the way. Because eventually, if you just keep pushing forward, you just keep moving forward, you're going to get to where you want to go. But yeah, your question was, how did I get started? And why? Why did I get started? My story started, let's see, I'll go back to college. I graduated UW, go Huskies up here in Washington. <laughs> um, my original goal was uh, to be a lawyer. I, I, I thought I'd be a lawyer. I graduated degree in philosophy. But then I started, you know, actually going and seeing lawyers work. I had a family friend who was a lawyer and I kind of shadowed him, realized I did not like the work at all. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I, I didn't like what he did on a day to day. So it was at the time that I needed to graduate. <laughs> And I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a, a direction. I graduated. I was like, crap, I really don't want to be a lawyer. What am I going to do? I don't have, you know, I don't know what the next step is. So I kind of putzed around. I, I was a bartender for a while. And then my, my friend was uh, working at Accenture, which is a, a consulting company up here. Well, they're international consulting company, but he was based out of Seattle. And so I sounded like a fun gig. You know, you fly around to different corporations, you work in cool projects, quote unquote. And uh, so I said, all right, that sounds fun. Let's do it. I, you know, interviewed for a few companies, got a job at a consulting firm and started working. But come, you know, came to be, I did not like consulting either. I didn't like the commute in corporate. You really don't have a lot of control. You don't get to decide the projects that you get to be on. There was a lot of things I didn't like about corporate that didn't really fit with my, you know, with my personality and with what I wanted to to do in life. So, but it was the only way that I knew how to make money and I was wait, making pretty good money. And, you know, I didn't have an entrepreneurship background. I didn't have an entrepreneurship family. So I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. So then I, you know, I was that guy that was flipping through my Facebook feed and those ads would come up and say, Hey, make a million dollars, make an e-commerce company, make a t-shirt company. And I mean, it sounded good to me. So the first business I did was actually in e-commerce. And I, I did a number of e-commerce company or businesses actually, uh, starting with print on demand, um, and then drop shipping. If people aren't familiar with that, it's basic. Well, I won't go into it, but it's, it's a form of e-commerce business. And I built that up to about 20,000 a month, but really hated it. I, I didn't like sitting in front of the computer. I didn't like 
There was no human interaction. I, it just was not for me. And that was 20,000 gross. It was not 20,000 profit. So it was not something that I could leave my corporate job with. So I didn't have freedom yet. I was still working corporate, did not like that, that grind. And so I was still, you know, I needed something else. And at this point, you know, I had those skills. I'd been down that path in e-commerce and I had the skills of marketing. And so I said, okay, why, why don't I get a marketing client? Why don't I do marketing? So I had quit or I had stopped my e-commerce store because I did not like staring at the screen. I didn't like being in my room all the time. And also I was like working from home. So that was not good. The idea of working from home sounded really good until you have to do it all the time. And now it's like, this is the worst idea ever. <laughs> so yeah, so the next step, I knew I didn't want to do e-commerce. I wanted to do something else. I decided, you know, I had these, these marketing chops. I was able to do digital marketing pretty well. And so I decided to get a client as a digital marketing consultant. Again, this was a kind of Facebook inspired. A guy was talking about making an agency. And so I said, that sounds fun. You know, it's more client based than e-commerce. I can, you know, interact with people. So I went out and I got my, my first client was a luxury real estate agent. So I was helping him sell like $2 million, $5 million houses, you know, in Telluride and Colorado, in uh, the Hamptons and all these really swanky areas. I was helping him you know, run ads to sell these houses. But again, I found myself going down this path and I didn't like the work. I didn't like having to, I just didn't like being in front of the computer all the time and not having people to interact with was really the crux of it. The one thing that I really did like about corporate was that I had a team around me and there were people that I could talk with and it was social. E-commerce was not social and digital marketing, you know, it was more social than e-commerce, but it was still not the, the type of social that I wanted to be. So I decided to, you know, look for another direction. And about this time, I picked up the book. I mean, so many real estate investor stories start this way, but I picked up the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. And I read it literally one night and, you know, cover to cover, it made complete sense to me. I always say it's a really good book to inspire you, but it's not a good book to tell you what to do because it, it definitely, Robert goes through kind of why real estate works as a business model, but not really how to go about doing real estate. So I read the book and I got super, super stoked. And I was like, all right, this makes more sense. Real estate, it's a thing. It's like, I'm not staring at this screen and there's an actual structure. I can feel it. I can do it. Um, and it's very social. You have to interact with all these people. So, you know, this sounds like a good path. So at that point, I decided that I was going to, you know, try this. And so I, a friend of mine and I, we started looking for properties Fast forward literally two years, like we were in analysis paralysis for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another kind of lesson that I would like people to, to learn. If you have the ability to take action in real estate, if you can buy a property, if you have the down payment, there are ways to do it without having money, but it's much harder. So if you do have the money, I just say do it. If you find a deal that makes sense generally on paper, do it, cut your teeth, get it done. Because we waited two years before we actually did it. And that was just time wasted. But um, I did eventually get into a property, got a triplex up here in Tacoma. It was uh, just a nightmare. It was, you know, there was a hoarder in there. There was somebody who was growing weed and they were, their electrical bill was like $700. And we were on, you know, we were paying the electrical bill. It was a good, you know, lesson, good learning lesson as, you know, first flip, but it was, <laughs> it was a nightmare. But, you know, I'm going to kind of fast forward the story from that because that's where I really got into real estate and I loved it. I love the model. I love that it was very social and it was it was very engaging. Like you have to go out there, you have to meet people, you have to talk to them. There's structures. It's very analytical. I'm I'm a very analytical person, so I like the spreadsheets, all that stuff. 
so I decided to go down the path of real estate. I left my corporate job. And then from there, I started wholesaling. I'm not really into flipping because it is, I mean, flippers, they're a breed in and of themselves because, you know, it can be stressful if you're using hard money. And now, you know, fast forward a little bit more, we are, uh, we're doing mobile home and RV parks. Um, we're closing on our hopefully third park here soon. And, uh, and yeah, that's where I am today. And it's been a very roller coaster journey. So if anybody wants to get started in real estate, do it. It's a great, great path. It's a great career choice. In my opinion, you just got to do it. You got to bite the bullet and uh, take some action. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. You know, I think it's, you mentioned a lot of things that were important, but I wanted to hear you all the way through. So you mentioned the analysis paralysis before jumping into your first deal, which is something that most entrepreneurs really get stuck on, right? Like how do you actually make the jump, right? Like what was the step-by-step -step process that you took that you were like, all right, no more, like I'm going all in kind of things. The way I always describe it to people, I'm like, you just can't think about it because if you yeah. think about it, you can't give yourself time to think about it. You just do, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? Okay, you learn something, you you fail, which is really truly just a lesson. It's the worst yeah. that can happen, right? And I'm like, just, you know, imagine like you're on a diving board. Like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna float back up, right? Like the water is going to help you fall back up. So you just go, right? It's the same thing, right? Just go and you're going to either learn something from it and you're going to be fine. So that's what I always tell people. So I'd be interested to know what was your step-by-step -step process of like, all right, we're doing this, like no more, you know? Yep. I mean, step-by-step, -step, I wish there was a step-by-step -step, or I wish <laughs> I had a step-by-step -step process. Um, what I would have liked to have had is somebody in my corner who had a bunch of experience and was watching me just kind of like flounder. And then be like, okay, just fuck, just do it, man. Just, just jump and <laughs> just, just pull the trigger. But I didn't. Uh, so I guess the step-by-step -step process that I took, I mean, I, I looked at a hundred tons and tons of houses and I drove to all these different places. And, and I guess eventually it just realized, I just realized like I was wasting a ton of time. Like I was driving to all these houses. I was walking them. Um, I was spending, you know, nights looking at different properties and I didn't have anything to show for it. So Eventually, I just kind of decided to take the plunge, even though I felt that I was making a mistake. And that's the thing, like these first, if you're doing a flip or anything like that, or your first purchase, a lot of times you're going to think it's a mistake, especially if you're, if you're buying a value add deal, if you're buying something that, you know, has some hair on it, you're going to think like, I mean, if it's your first one, you don't have the experience, you're just going to think, you know, I'm making a mistake. This is, this is a problem. So if the numbers work on paper, if it makes sense, just generally on paper, then just trust those numbers. Just trust it. It probably isn't right if it's your first time, but it's going to be in a ballpark and you're not going to like lose your shirt. You're not going to declare bankruptcy. It's, it'll, you know, it will generally work. And so if the numbers work on paper, just jump, just do it. It's not going to, even if it is, you know, you lose a little bit, bit of money, you still got the education being out there in the field. Interesting. Interesting. So you were just like, all right, you know, no more wasting time. This is what we're doing here. Like, let's keep moving. You know, because I mean, you were just basically prolonging your dreams. I always like to say, like, basically, you're just like, okay, it's there, but it's not there. So how did you transition into real estate full time? Because I know you mentioned that you were, it was kind of like a side hustle for a while, because I know that that's a major thing that, you know, a lot of people are doing right now, especially in the millennial generation, our generation, where, you know, it's like they're working these full time jobs, but they have these dreams and they're, they have their dreams on the side right now. So like, how did you transition in and what would be your advice with that? Yeah, that's a hard one. 
when I had, once I had a rental and I had money coming in on a monthly basis and I kind of understood the business model, I felt more comfortable. Um, and I just, I couldn't do both of them. Like I, I hear people who build businesses on the side and I'm like, you know, more props to you. That is hard. It's like, <laughs> how, how do you do that? I don't know. Especially like the corporate job that I was working, it required a lot of hours. And so it was just too hard to do both of them. Really did not like it. Like it was not fun for me at all. And so I just eventually just said, screw it, I'm done. I This can work. I have made money in real estate. It's happened. And so I know I can do it again. And so I just left. <laughs> nice, nice. And you took the angle of just like real estate, like basically buying, buying and holding. Because I know there's, as some people may or may not know, there's like a million facets to real estate. There's like you mentioned, the flippers, flipping houses, and there's the developers you know, who permit projects and build new construction, or they flip the deal with the permits, or, you know, it's the buy and hold investors that buy assets and hold long term. So what was sort of your first strategy that you were thinking about when you um, were looking in the real estate realm? Yeah, so I mean, I'm going to echo what you just said that real estate is awesome, because there are so many different, basically business models within the in real estate. I mean, there's not just one thing. And so what I always like to say is real estate starts with the lead. And so if you can really get a system going that brings you leads on a consistent basis, then you can start playing around with the different strategies on the exit. So like if you if you want to try wholesaling, which is essentially just assigning a contract to somebody else. So you get it under contract for 100,000, then you assigned it over to your, you know, your friend investor over here for 105,000 and you take that $5,000 spread. So if you want to do that, as long as you have the leads coming in, you can you can wholesale the contracts. If a deal comes in that you feel, you know, it's a good flip, if it's a location that you really have confidence in, if the the structure if it's not down to the, you know, to the studs, which some flippers do, but you know, I'm not I'm not that flipper. If it's in the area uh, a realm of severity of rehab that you want, you can take that on. If you want to buy it as a buy and hold, you can, but it really if you want to get started in real estate, my advice is just Focus first on the lead gen, focus on finding good deals. And once you're able to find those deals, then you can start playing around with the exit, with the different models of uh, how to exit the property. Kind of what I did, I, I did do a few flips. That was kind of like my main thing because I read Robert Kiyosaki's book. He was really about rentals. But with rentals, you you your money, your equity is in the property. And so you can't, it's really difficult to make a business out of rentals if you don't have money coming in outside of real estate. Um, or if you don't have some major, like if you buy a 300 unit apartment complex, then yeah, you're going to have enough cash flow to buy other single family properties. You're not going to be able to buy a, a multifamily, but. You were shifting basically into what was your first strategy, your first investment strategy into real estate. That was your big thing. So it's like, you know, at this point, what were you thinking buy and hold? Cause I know for myself, when I went into real estate, I wanted to flip. That was it. I had no intention of becoming a broker someday. I didn't know anything about commercial real estate and like my whole world like shifted as I kind of went. So yeah. uh, it'd just be cool to see like where you started and wh how you've sort of transitioned since then. Yeah. And I, that's cool to hear your story. I feel like everybody who's in real estate, their story transitions many times as they you know, get more experience. I'm actually getting my broker's license um, now. I'm doing in the process of doing that just because it sounds like a fun thing. I got all these leads coming at me, so that'll be a new new yeah. thing that I'm trying that I've never done n never done before. So I'm still evolving, you know, as I'm 
doing going through this, but but yeah, I started out flipping and then mostly wholesaling. I wanted to do my main goal was buy and holds, but I just couldn't find the capital. I bought one rental and then I was like, crap, now I don't have any money. Like <laughs> yep. I live yeah. in Seattle and the so it's really expensive out here. If you're yeah. in a uh, like Detroit or anything like that, you're gonna have a lot easier time buying rentals. But if you're in a coastal market, that's gonna be a little bit more difficult for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm here in Boston and it's like yeah, you're not going anywhere unless you tie up at least I don't know, six hundred thousand in capital minimum. Yeah, exactly. On a multifamily, you're close to a million, and then you have construction costs and a million other things, right? So that's interesting. So you went into as like flipping and wholesaling and then basically transitioned into the buy and hold strategy with for anyone who doesn't know what buy and hold means, it means you buy like a multifamily property and basically you hold it for long-term value and basically you make sure that it cash flows. So you not only do you pay your debt service, which is like your mortgage or your loan or you know, investors or whoever it may be, and then the profit that you get that you gain from that. So that's it's really cool to see how you sort of transitioned in, into that. And so after you bought that first property, you know, because now you're doing RV park parks, which are definitely um, it's a lot of capital coming in. How did you transition into basically creating a fund? Because I'm assuming that you have a fund or or something. How did you how did you go through that? Because everyone talks about I would love to do real estate, but I need the capital. So you know. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, I didn't learn about syndications or, or raising capital yeah. or anything like that until much uh, much later. But so I always like to talk, people always, you know, the first question is, how can I get into real estate without any money? And I always say, basically impossible. You can't, you need money, but, but there are ways to do it with very little money. The best way, I mean, wholesaling is a way to do it with really little money because that's just marketing. The other way is raising capital. It's, I mean, going to people and, you know, asking for their money to put into your projects and then you're the one who's actually doing it. But I actually, for the mobile home and RV parks, we didn't raise money because we uh, negotiated seller financing in really favorable terms. And so uh, it's me and three, two other partners, um, three of us, and we use our own, we're using our own money, our own capital. Another way, if somebody wants to get into, you know, larger commercial assets without having to raise capital is negotiating seller financing. And seller financing is a great, it is my favorite thing about real estate or about setting up the structure of a real estate deal because you can negotiate terms. You can make it work on both ends of the spectrum, on the seller side and the buyer side, and come to a deal that are that it's much more favorable than you could otherwise. That you could for a single family property, although you can do seller financing for a single family property. So, so yeah, we uh, we negotiated seller financing. We for all three of them, we're putting ninety thousand down. That's just been nothing, <laughs> but we're giving him good interest. We're giving him good uh, good terms and. So we're making sure that the property cash flows and then um, we're you know setting him up by giving him an you know an interest payment that he can benefit from and then we're getting the benefit of low low down payment and able to close these properties without having to go to other people to raise uh, raise capital. That's pretty amazing. That's such like an underdog and boss move, you know, like it's because <laughs> automatically when you said RV park, I'm like, ah, oh, they have to have a fund, right? Like it has to be a fund that's backing it or some sort of mortgage or some crazy down payment. So I think that's so awesome with the seller financing that you were able to sort of find your way around that to get into these bigger assets, which is awesome because your, your market is expensive. Yeah. So, yeah it is. so like, that's a, that's a great move. Oh man, that's amazing. And also too, you were mentioning earlier in your story, how you were sort of transitioning and you were in college when you were like, Oh, what's next? I want to be a lawyer, but not really in these whole transitions. So like in your life, what was your biggest inspiration or who? I used to be, I used to, well, I still am um, a big fan of reading books, uh, nonfiction books. And so 
I read a bunch of, I don't know, a bunch of books and all the people in those books, all the authors were one source of inspiration, kind of opened my eyes. Obviously, my parents are a big inspiration just in their work ethic. Um, neither of them are entrepreneurs or anything like that. So they didn't really give me that mindset, that frame of mind, but they did show me how to work, how to, how to go out and, you know, do well at what you're, what you want to set your mind to. And then my uncle, my uncle is actually a, uh, he has a um, recycle business. He started his own business. And so he is the, he was kind of the model for entrepreneurship for me. And his business is awesome. He like takes tear down houses and, and refuse from construction sites. And he throws it through this giant, like conveyor belt system. And it takes out all the metal and all the plastic. And then it puts them into these different piles. And then he sells those to different people. And it's, it's really cool, really cool business model. That's so interesting. That's fascinating that, you know, there's always that one entrepreneur in the family, right? That's like, you kind of look up to and you're like, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, <laughs> I, I come from Albania, right? So like they make jokes that everyone in our country who comes to the US, like everyone has a business. So everyone, I was just like, I was in the entrepreneur world like forever. Nice. And it's funny because it's like everyone, like my uncles, my aunt, uncle, everybody has their own business. Like it's, it's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. no, I, was, I was bred around it and I didn't never yeah. even realize it, but even still I went to school and I, you know, even in undergrad, I still thought I was going to do a nine to five afterwards. And then I just had an experience that was just like, Oh, hell no, no, you're not, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and it was, and it happened like right before graduation. And it was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And my parents were like, what do you mean? Like, yes, you, yes, you are. You're not gonna, you know, you're not going to sacrifice and work all the time. Like I, I was like, I would rather work 80 hours a week for myself than to work like 40 for somebody <laughs> It just wasn't, you know, so I think it's really cool. Like your transition period and, you know, throughout, cause you had mentioned you've gone into like bartending sort of after college for a bit. What was that transition period for you and like your thought process during that time? Because I know a lot of people who are in that realm and they just are so down on themselves. And I'm like, don't be, because that's going to shape you in the future, whether you like to think so or not. At that restaurant that you're working at, you might meet somebody who's going to change your life. Like you don't know that. Right. So it's like, what was that transition period like for you? Because I think it's so important. And thank you for sharing that because I was also in that world, right? Like I was delivering pizzas when I was like 16 years old and I didn't think anything of it. But now that all that experience in the restaurant field has helped me to where I am today. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right. I think people do kind of get down on themselves and I, I was no different. I wish I would have been able to just like decide, no, I'm not going to law school. Let's go to the next thing. But I, there was a period of really, you know, I was pretty down. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I'm a loser. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm sitting here bartending. If you get into that period, first of all, you're not alone. Many people do that. Even very successful people that you see, many people go through that experience. You, you just get stuck in a rut um, when you don't have a path in front of you and you don't see, you know, see what the next step is. It's really difficult to kind of get that motivation to take steps um, because, you know, you don't know which steps to take. That was, was happening to me. I, you know, I was bartending. I did a bunch of odd jobs during that period, but bartending was the main thing. And with bartending, you know, you're working late hours. And then when you're up during the day, all your, your friends and family, they're all working their nine to five. And so you just kind of feel like an outcast. Yeah, that's how I felt for sure. I felt that way, but I just kept going forward. Uh, and, and then I, you know, met that friend and, or talked to that friend about consulting and went that direction. But I mean, that's really, that's really how life goes. It's just, <laughs> you just take one step at a time and eventually something will turn out. You just got to keep taking those steps. Even if you feel down, just keep taking those steps because eventually one step is going to lead you to something that you like and that really fits you. It, you just got to make sure and 
align yourself with your core, with who you are, with what you want, and just keep taking steps in that direction. Eventually, it will work out. I just have 100% confidence that if you take the steps, it will work out. For sure. And like, you know, what what was something that sort of inspired you during that time when you were like, Ugh, you know, kind of like, because like, for me, it was always Pam, like you're meant to do great things. Just keep going. Like, this is just a stepping stone, right? Like, don't worry. Like, it's cool. Like, I would literally be on MySpace slash Facebook when I was illegally able to get on it because I was like on it in middle school, even though it was only for uh, high school, even though it was only for college kids at the time, you know, and I'm looking up all these quotes to try to stay inspired. And that was yeah. like one thing that that helped me. So was there like a mantra at that time that sort of helped you shift through that period? Well, no, actually quotes are that is now that you mentioned that I really did. I liked quotes. I had a quote book back then that I always read. I still love quotes, but they are super inspirational. It's something that I kind of took inspiration from. Um, I also there was a few authors that I really liked. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson um, is somebody that I that I really, really liked uh, his. It's not really a book. It's more like a essay uh, called self-reliance is um, I, I read that when I just when I was at in bartending and I just like loved it. It was like, yes, this is awesome. It makes total sense. So there, there was a few books and authors that I read that just kind of kept me going and kept me pushing forward um, when I didn't really know what to do. So uh, and other than that, yeah, I think it was mostly the authors that, that got me moving. That's amazing. So basically, transcendentalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, so, a, it's so a really good. Uh, that specific essay is really good. If, if anybody hasn't read it, I'd say uh, go for it. It's called Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson and then there's other amazing authors that are out of this world transcendentalism basically is all about the self and self-love really and um, I was introduced to that junior year of high school and I was obsessed like I was literally obsessed with that literature like I became like a lit freak because I was like <laughs> and I would just go above and beyond I was getting like a like over a hundred on like all the exams and like essays and stuff like that because I loved it so much so I mean for anyone you know who's thinking about just read something inspiring like transcendentalism Ralph Waldo Emerson and just so many more really yeah. um, truly inspiring so it's really cool to hear that that's sort of what helped what helped you so self-reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson yeah yeah self-reliance and uh, James Allen um, was another good one yeah. nice that's amazing so now, you know, thank you for sharing your journey and sort of how you walked through it, which I think is so cool that it wasn't your traditional route, which is what a lot of people experience. And I'm glad that you mentioned it because it's like a lot of people do go through this and they think that it it's supposed to be a straight path, which right. it never in the world is. Never uh, is. <laughs> yeah. So now that you've worked on some incredible things and you're established in the real estate realm and doing what you love to do, sort of what's next in, in your world? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, so we're on our third park. We're not like, um, we're still learning. We're still new ish in the field. And so mobile home RV parks, this is where, this is what I'm really excited about right now. It's what we're, you know, I'm, I'm gung ho about. It's what we're going forward with. So I'm going to keep going down this path. I still have, I still do wholesales for single family and, um, and the single family realm. I'm going to eventually do a few more flips just because I have more experience now and I want to try it out uh, and see that before and after. Um, but other than that, I mean, I have the real estate investing club podcast, uh, that I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with. And then eventually we're going to be launching a kind of mentorship program because that's, that was the piece that I was missing when I started out in real estate. I didn't have somebody in my corner kind of help me out and point me in the right direction. 
Um, so I want to give that back to people who want to go down this path. So we are going to be launching that right now. We have an ebook that I wrote to kind of give people the steps. Um, I break it down into four uh, real estate that, you know, this, the process of investing into four steps, find the deal, finance the deal, add value to the deal, and then exit the deal. And I kind of go into those steps and how you can do that. So if you want the ebook, check out the website, therealestateinvestingclub.com. And yeah, other than that is just the podcast, building out that uh, that mentorship program and then doing my uh, my mobile home park. So and then I am working on my broker's license. Eventually, I'll, I'll be getting that too. Nice. Nice. And now I'm going to leave you with sort of the last question, which I always ask is, you know, what's the biggest piece of your of advice that your older self would tell your younger self? Just don't give up. Just keep going forward. You've got it all in you. You don't really need you know, all the answers are within you. You just keep, you know, align yourself with what you want and what you and what you feel inside and just keep taking those steps forward. Eventually, you're going to get to where you want to be. I love it. I love it. And what would be your biggest piece of real estate advice? Real estate advice. Biggest piece is just take action. Buy that first house. <laughs> like, yes. Take more action quicker is my biggest piece of real estate advice, especially because when I started my journey, it was right after, you know, it was 2009. And so it was like, that was the perfect time. If I had just done more action 2009 forward, it would have been amazing. But I didn't, I, I dawdled, I, I dragged my feet. So don't do that. Take action. The time is now. Just get out there and do it. Absolutely. And because you're in real estate, I have to ask you this question. What is the 2021 forecast, in your opinion, looking like? What do the next you know, three to five years look like in real estate, in your opinion? Yeah, man, I've talked to people much smarter than me about this. And I, I don't feel like I have a good opinion. I do feel, you know, we've had this stretch of expansion for what, over 10 years now or something like that. And so it, it has to turn around at some point. We can't just keep expanding. There's going to be a recession. I don't know when that is. Seattle is still, we're still like a hockey stick. We're going, you know, straight up. I don't want to tell people what to do because it, it's, I don't know. I feel like eventually something's going to happen. We're going to go down. I don't know when that eventually is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, over here in Boston, like, like you just said, like a hockey stick, it just keeps going up. You know, what I'm seeing in the trends that there's going to be $430 billion of commercial real estate asset loans due to mature in 2021 is a bit terrifying because you're losing office and retail are sinking a bit, especially here on the East Coast and basically the retail presence and office now with the pandemic, people are like, oh, we can just work from home. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Commercial, yeah, especially retail, that is going to be, that's going to be interesting. We'll see. I'm interested. I see these grim figures and I'm like, ugh, because then it goes, you know, it hits commercial real estate first and then it hits residential. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm seeing these about these stats on commercial real estate. I'm like, you know, yeah. getting into, you know, I'm like, because that's going to affect us somehow, you know, down the line in, in residential. But let's keep our that's fingers, a- Right? That's the good thing about uh, mobile home and RV parks too, is that they're very recession resistant. They uh, they do not get hit as much as other asset classes. So it's my little plug there for mobile home and RV parks. <laughs> I love it. And now, Gabe, where can everybody find you and your awesomeness? Yeah, absolutely. They got to check me out at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Best place to go. And uh, or well, on there too is all my social stuff. So you can just go to therealestateinvestingclub.com. You got it, my friend. Thank you so much for being here today. You're so awesome and inspiring. And thank you for sharing your journey. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. 
head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.